There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090. All right, it is Friday night, Southern California. You are tuned to the Mightier 1090 local sports talk here in Southern California. And you're not only you're not only tuned into sports talk, you're tuned into Silver and Black tonight. That's right, Raider Nation's talk show for all of Southern California, booming up and down the West Coast. Hi, I'm Scott Colbranson, joined by my partner, Mo Moten. We're here to talk about the Raiders. And, Mo, another week as the Raider Nation world turns, another soap opera week. We go from last week from the Ruggs tragedy to Damon Arnett's release this week. Uh, the good news is they signed Deshaun Jackson to help out on the offense, which we'll talk about, and you wrote a great piece about that. But – this team, this franchise, this fan base, Mo, continues to go through the onslaught that is the 2021 season on and off the field. Scott, in 40 years, when I have grandkids running around, <laughs> I will tell them about the 2021 season of the Raiders. I will absolutely tell them about all this twists and turns and all the drama that's happened and the tragedy and, and what's gone on the the you know, the peaks and valleys. But, yes, you, you mentioned it. Damon Arnett, another Raiders draft pick bites the dust. A first-round pick at that. People questioned the pick from day one. Uh, there were some character issues. Mayock did admit this in his press conference after they uh, let him go. Uh, but they felt that they can uh, help him out as a person and as a football player, and that just didn't happen. Uh, he, he, he There was a video out on social media where he was flashing guns and threatening a person's life. Uh, report Ian Rapport came out and said that he crashed, I believe, four rentals in a month. Unbelievable. Uh, just, just, just a wreck. And a lot of fans have pointed this out. Mayock has been a sticking point for Mayock's draft class has been character, character, character. Now, I, I just want to say no one could have probably predicted that Henry Rose would be involved in that tragedy. He didn't have any character issues coming out of Alabama. Nope. So I don't want people to kind of lump him in with this because I think he obviously made a terrible, awful mistake. Again, probably the biggest mistake of his life. But he wasn't a character concern coming out of Alabama. The Raiders knew that Arnett may have some issues, and they still went with it. And that was a huge risk, and they got burned. They did. And I'll tell you, Damon Arnett, I had a, a, a reporter who's still in Las Vegas, and, and I'll keep names out of it, and I'm, not because I'm going to insult them or anything, because I'm not. It's not an insult. But last year in Las Vegas, we were talking about Damon Arnett, and this person would constantly say, you know, Damon Arnett's not a bad guy. He needs to mature. He needs to mature. Well, and I'm not saying Damon Arnett's a bad guy because I don't know the man. I do not know what his character is like other than what I've seen. But we had heard around Las Vegas about Damon Arnett and his propensity to get into little scraps, right? It never made the daily newspaper for whatever reason. It never made the nightly news for whatever reason. I never had any proof or, or direct sources who saw these events to where I could go on a radio show, for example, and talk about them um, with, with, with certainty. So I wasn't going to do that because what if it wasn't true? I don't go with something unless I know and have it from multiple sources that tell me that, right? So, but, but I, this Damon Arnett thing had been going around. It's the same thing we heard about about Lynn Bowden Jr., uh, part of the 2020 class, by the way. And oh, by the way, we are going to talk 
the entire disaster of the 2020 draft class here in just a minute. And I don't want Raider fans to get upset saying, why are you guys being so negative? Look, what's happening with the Raiders, what has happened with the Raiders this year, it's a mixed bag, and we're going to talk about good and the bad. Coming up after the break, actually, Carrington Harrison from 610 Sports Kansas City is going to join us. We're going to talk a little bit about the Chiefs, and then we'll finish up the show talking about the matchup coming up on Sunday night, a big, huge matchup at Allegiant Stadium. But, Mo, this idea of, of drafting character guys, this is something that, that uh, John Gruden, when he was the coach and the GM, basically, and Mike Mayock have been pounding on the table about since they took over, but what we've seen, and, and you're, you're right to point out with Ruggs, he didn't have character issues, right? And his, and what happened with him uh, as a tragedy, but that had nothing to do with the character issues coming out of college that we knew, but some of these other players have, and, and, and this team overall, they also lost the Raiders did Matt Shearer, their chief financial officer. It was not associated to the regularities that had been blamed for the departure of others, including Mark Bedane, by the way, totally separate, but Matt Shearer, Mo, had been with the Raider organization for 27 years. And in the midst of the season, a season with all of this stuff going on, he leaves. That speaks volumes. Mo, I wonder what's going on. It's, it's normal when a franchise moves or goes through tectonic plate changes that, that people leave and, and things turn over. But this franchise, I think, is at a big crossroads, and the decisions that Mark Davis makes over the next few months are going to have a profound impact on whether or not it ever reaches the greatness that it knew under his father, Al Davis. Yeah, and he's going to have to rebuild this from the ground. And I'm not saying the roster has to be completely rebuilt, but as you mentioned, with the chief financial officer and a bunch of other front office departures, a lot of people leaving. I believe he had a Kirby, uh, the RB coach left. Yep. I believe it was. Um, then you have players getting getting in, in the news for not good reasons, involved in the tragedy. I remember during the draft too, there was there were whispers that there was going to be turnover in the front office, and a lot of people yep. kind of laughed it off. And, and here we're seeing people to this day, people still walking away from the organization. So I'm wondering if there's just something else there that we're that we're missing is there's something else going on that other people inside those walls are aware of that we're not yeah and i'll tell you what though i i don't i expected some of it because look the team relocated from the bay area to las vegas and remember i lived in las vegas twice okay so i understand it it gets a bad rap on a lot of things but it also is not for everybody including the nicer areas where people live not not standing in the middle of a casino of course but it's, it's not easy. So somebody might have been with the Raiders and said, okay, yeah, I'll make the move. And then they got there and didn't like it. So you anticipate that there will be turnover when a franchise moves. They, have, they left a lot of people behind in the Bay Area who decided not to make the move. And for those who made the move, probably said, hmm, okay, you know, I'll give it a year. They gave it last year, which was COVID year, which was a disaster for everybody. And they said, you know what? I'm checking out. I'm going to go do something else. And, and, and there, were, there were signs on the wall, too, with a lot of that. I mean, you had one of the PR staff, for example. One of the PR staff left the Raiders to go to the Houston Texans. Now, good for him. Good for him. He got a good job. Not, not at all. But, but you went to a team that's also in turmoil. So that tells you right. something. Then you have all these people depart. So to me, I, I, I'm not surprised by all of it, but certainly the Raider organization, which is in a great financial position, 
being in Las Vegas. They have everything they need to be successful, but now they got a lot of open slots, a lot of question marks, Mo, and you're right. They don't have to rebuild the entire roster like they did a few years ago, but they need leadership in the building in all sorts of ways. Yeah, and I think it's going to – they're going to have to do some soul searching, and obviously they have a big decision with leadership positions just closer to the football team. Is Mike Mayock going to be back as a GM? Is Rich Basaccia going to get the interim tag uh, ripped off and be the head coach? And I believe all that's going to be decided. A lot of people have been asking me about those questions, and I just tell them the same thing. A lot of that is going to be decided within the next two to three months, and it all depends on how the Raiders finish the season. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, we're going to play it later in the show, but but I go back just to revisit Damon Arnett. I go back to the, sh- the show we did, the giraffe show we did at the time. We were on CBS Sports Radio in Las Vegas with Silver and Black Today, and we did a draft show with, uh, with Paul Eihander, who's our guy there, and all that stuff. And both Kelly and I talked about how terrible of a pick it was at the time. Right. <laughs> and everybody was just hammering us into the, and even going into this year, people were telling me, no, no, you got to let him, he's going to be fine. He's, oh no, he's talented, talented. Then of course, now you go to Ohio, you talk to people who knew him from Ohio state and they're like, yeah, why did they draft him? And so, so hindsight is easy to look at, but I think the Damon Arnett story leads us into the discussion I really want to have. And again, we're going to get to the good of the Raiders. We, we, we're not going to talk much about their loss last week, other than the fact that uh, they need some offense and, and Mo's going to tell us so maybe, maybe we'll go there first Mo so Raiders no offense last week right they go on the road New York Giants who you on this show last week said no this is going to be a low, sco- low scoring game and it's going to be close and the Giants it's going to be a knockdown, drag them out type of event and boy were you right the Raiders could not score they missed Henry Ruggs Derek Carr was off Derek Carr was not good on Sunday so Clearly, they missed that ability to stretch the field with Henry Ruggs. So they go out this week. They're able to sign Deshaun Jackson, much to the chagrin of so many in Raider Nation that wanted Odell Beckham Jr., who became a Ram this week. Um, But, Mo, I want to talk about Deshaun Jackson because Deshaun Jackson, a lot of people dismiss him because of his age and where he's been. Uh, But at the same time, you wrote a piece up on VegasSportsToday.com about it, about how Deshaun Jackson helps this offense. Is he going to be the superstar going for 60-yard touchdowns all the time? No, that's not what he has to do. But talk about why adding him after what you saw last week in New York is such a big deal. Well, first of all, the the Raiders – Let's let's be real about the Raiders' performance. They had a chance to win that game. They couldn't they punch the ball in for six. They settled for way too many field goals. Carr misses Waller in the end zone, and uh, kick is missed from 23, 25 yards out, I believe. Carlson usually hits those, but he missed that. That Those two plays go through. It's a different game. Now, Deshaun Jackson coming in is not going to fix the red zone issues, which is something the Raiders have to address. They have They should commit to the run inside the red zone or get or put Mariota out there in his package, let him do his zone read. But he Deshaun Jackson is not going to fix that issue. No. But what he will do is he's, he can still replace what Ruggs did. And I said this, when the Raiders offense is operating at its peak this season, Ruggs was still only getting three to four catches a game. So if you were out there thinking the Raiders needed a number one dominant wide receiver, it's just not true for that offense to run 
at, at its peak at, a, at an efficient way. You have Darren Waller there. You have Hunter Renfro. I know Brian Edwards is not consistent yet, but you, you got the passes to the running backs. Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake are involved. So you don't need a number one wide receiver per se. You just needed a guy who could stretch the field and make it easier for the guys on the underneath groups, which you will have in Deshaun Jackson, even though he's going to turn 35 in a couple of weeks. I get it. But if you watch that Tampa Buccaneers game, I believe there was a stat out there that said he had the fast. He ran, the, I believe that was the fastest play of that week, the second fastest play of that week. He can still stretch the field and give you a 50-yard bomb if you need it. And that's and that's all what the Raiders really need, someone to stretch the field and someone to make it easier for Waller, Hunter Renfro, Foster Moreau, and the running backs on those shorter to intermediate routes. And, again, I, I get it. You, you Fans know the superstar player name, so that's what they are drawn to. But it was more about fit for me than an Odell mm. Beckham Jr. player who, again, he's got some shoulder issues. He's probably going to have to have sh- uh, surgery on both his shoulders. And I yeah. showed a video to a fan who said, oh, maybe he's faking it to get out of Cleveland. I showed the video to him, and you can see Odell Beckham Jr. lands directly on his shoulder. I believe against, it was against the Cardinals and against the Broncos. Lands on his shoulder, he's in pain. <laughs> so I just, I just didn't think that. You're not getting the Odell Beckham Jr. from the New York Giants with Eli Manning. You're getting a, a worn down Odell Beckham Jr. who's going to have to have some surgery yeah. at the end of the end of the season. Yeah. By the way, Max Kellerman on ESPN said that Odell Beckham Jr. never played with a quarterback in his prime or an elite quarterback, okay. <laughs> which Eli Manning for those couple of years, uh, ridiculous. Anyway, but yeah, right. no, I agree with you on Deshaun Jackson. And look, that's the thing. You don't have to have. To your point, you don't have to have the OBJ to do it. I mean, you look at what Derek Carr is going doing this week by the, or this year, I should say. Uh, remember, 2013, Peyton Manning set the record for passing yards in the season at 5,477 yards. Right on his current pace, Derek Carr is uh, uh, on on pace for 5,400 yards. Okay, so not too far off from Peyton Manning's record. And so you add Deshaun Jackson to what what Derek Carr is able to do, the tools he has, all the names you named, Mo, including the the, the one that we love coming out of the backfield, Kenyon Drake. He's got more weapons. He can spread the ball, which is going to leave the opportunity for Deshaun Jackson in one-on-one. And with that burst of speed, he can do it even at 34 years old. So to me, yeah, everybody wants to always go after the sexy name from five years ago. But in reality, the fit is so much more important. And you heard it at the press conference early in the week from both Deshaun Jackson and Derek Carr. And I think it was a, a home run signing for them and really the right one when everybody wanted to go the other direction mike mayock i think really saw everything that you mentioned and everyone else uh saw with obj and the injury and the distraction the last thing the raiders need at this point is anybody who's a distraction or anybody who's going to bring press to them that isn't about winning football games now mo we have to talk about for the remainder of this segment i want to talk about the 2020 draft because uh, now you look at the 2020 draft, and I want to review this, right, at, just off the top so that we can talk about it. And this is the Raiders' order of draft picks. Henry Ruggs III, tragedy. We, 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 we talked about this all last week. We're not going to delve more into what's happened and the f- possible 50 years he's going to spend in jail. They pick him first overall, 12th pick overall. Then Damon Arnett. So Henry Ruggs gone, Damon Arnett gone. Lynn Bowden Jr., round three, pick 80, traded before he ever played for the Raiders, gone. Brian Edwards, still there, still flashes of talent, but is not consistent yet. Tanner Muse, the greatest Raider of all time, (laughs) round three, pick 100, gone. John Simpson, round four, he's a starter, 
uh, in place of Richie Incognito. He's done fine in a reserve role, but he's not really impressive as a run blocker. It's been part of the problem why the Raiders have not been able to run the ball. Then you have Amik Robertson, a kid you and I both like. He is actually on the injury report this week with a hurt hip. He is a likable player. But from a defensive grade perspective, if you go to our good friends at Pro Football Focus, he's like the third or fourth, I think, lowest graded defensive back uh, in the NFL. And he's really uh, uh, on the Raiders roster, um, someone that was there because Damon Arnett wasn't playing. So, so that's the 2020 draft. Now, before Mo, people start saying, well, everybody misses in the draft. Yes, they do. And we've talked about that many times, right? But... Mm-hmm. When you miss on an entire class. <laughs> okay. Now I can understand just like you made the oh, point man. at the beginning of the show, Mo, look, the Henry Ruggs thing, you know, just a horrible, horrible, tragic decision. Right. So that wasn't about the guy not being able to play. That wasn't about the guy uh, being some problem off the field on a regular basis, but clearly he's not there anymore, nor will he ever be. So you look at that class, the first three picks gone gone and never I mean Ruggs had the contribution early in the season and that's it he didn't really contribute last year whoever's fault that was and and so you look at this class it's it's going to be hard I know John Gruden is gone and he was the guy making the big decisions but I really think and I remember the piece you wrote about Mayock having an opportunity and I like Mike Mayock but it's going to be hard to survive it isn't it it's going to be tough because he he did face the music when he said it was a miss the 2020 class he admit he, he missed on that. Based on what the Raiders do, again, if the Raiders do not finish this season strong, if they're not a playoff team or if they're under 500, I, I initially said that Mike Mack would be back, but now I'm not so sure. Yeah, and I mean, Mo, I think that's that's the point, right? I mean, you you John Gruden comes in 2018, right? Reggie McKenzie's still there. They have the track. That's when they get Colton Miller. 2019, you get two picks. You get the Josh Jacobs. You get Jonathan Abram, right? By the way, both those players, to me, Jonathan Abram is much better this year. and He's looked good. Is he going to reach a second contract with the Raiders at the money he wants? I don't know. Is Josh Jacobs? I don't know either. So you could argue that out of the three draft classes, uh, from the top draft picks, with with, with the exception of Colton Miller, you can even argue that going to 2019... Eh, you know, not the best ever uh, to take a running back first anyway, even though I like Josh Jacobs. So this team might be looking at a situation in another year where two consecutive draft classes, they really didn't net much. And when you're trying to rebuild a team and win a championship, that's impossible. You cannot do that. You're absolutely right. And the saving grace there is is people are going to bring up, oh, well, Max Crosby looks like an all-pro player and false, and uh, Hunter Renfro is a solid, mm-hmm, probably one mm-hmm. of the best slot receivers in the game. And I do agree with those assessments. But the hit rate between 2018 to 2020 is not good. If those are your two players that you're yeah. touting, good that the Raiders have them. But overall, when you look at the big picture, it is not promising. No, it's not promising at all, and it's a big concern because this team, uh, you know, has talent. It can the defense has gotten better. It's not near where it needs to be. It needs to be better than it is. Uh, but man, you've wasted a lot of time and a lot of money more than anything, right? So, so to me, that's a, and and it frustrates me for fans too because the, the Raider fans have been waiting and waiting for this team to get better. And you had all of this draft capital. Oh, by the way, because you traded a guy that wore number I think fifty two, you you traded him away, right? Because you got all that draft capital and what were you going to do with it well it turns out the draft capital that they got for Khalil Mack eh, 
you know, so so I, that's the that's the downside. I understand the Raiders still have talent. The offense um, is doing, uh, I think, better. They have to clearly work out the kinks now that Henry Ruggs is gone. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting piece. Now, Mo, they got the Chiefs coming up on Sunday. That's going to be a tough one. They're going to have to score some points. They will score some points. That Chiefs defense is tough, and we're going to talk to Carrington Harrison here in a few minutes. We're going to uh, say goodbye to Mo for the night. He's got some other uh, engagement that he's got to run to. But Mo. Um, what do you think of this game? You think the the Raiders, Chiefs, uh, to me, whatever team loses this game uh, might not have a good back half of the year. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's I said it's a pivotal three-game stretch coming up for the Raiders. I feel like even if they lose this game, they can win the next two and still be in the playoff picture, still have a legit shot. But I, I actually think that they have a chance to win this game because the Chiefs, you know, they're they're struggling on the de- on defense and they're yes. struggling on offense. So they played they had the fortune of playing the Giants and I know the Raiders lost to the Giants, but they had the fortune of playing the Green Bay Packers without Aaron Rodgers. They had Jordan Love back there. So I'm not saying that the Chiefs defense is back yet. I think the Ra- Raiders can score some points with Deshaun Jackson out there. It's going to be a close game because both teams it understand how important this game is. Yeah, on a national stage. All right. Mo, as always, man, we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully after a win because if, they, <laughs> if it's not a win, you know how Raiders Twitter gets oh, after yeah. losses. All right, we're going to step aside. When we come back, Carrington Harrison, 610 Sports, Kansas City. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight only here on the Mightier 1090. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 SoCal Sports Talk. to Scott and Moe on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 AM. Welcome back. Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090, Southern California's only all Raiders talk show. Thanks for being back with us here on a Friday night as we get set for the big game Sunday, Allegiant Stadium, Sunday night football, the Chiefs versus the Raiders just off the Las Vegas Strip. And to talk about the Chiefs, Guy had to bring in, and that is my good friend Carrington Harrison from uh, 610 Sports in Kansas City. You can also hear him on CBS Sports Radio nationally. Uh, Carrington, this Chiefs team, of course, a lot of people concerned with them. Uh, they sit at 5-4 and four in the division. Overall, you get the reason of why, in some people's mind, this Chiefs team is in trouble. They seem to have maybe turned the corner now. But what is it? What have they done? What have they done to to make people think that they've underachieved so far in 2021? It's really been pick your poison. They are 31st in the NFL at turnover differential at minus eight. They have 19 takeaways or giveaways. So far this season, Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL in interceptions. I mean, you go from having, I think, the undisputed best quarterback in the NFL, certainly one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. So he just hasn't played up to the caliber that he's played the last couple of years. The defense got off to a really rough start the first six, seven weeks of the season. They've sort of turned things around. So it's really been a combination of a couple of different things. I think the teams have done a better job against Kansas City's offense, slowed it down. Kansas City has turned the ball over, and that, I think, cost them two games. They should have beat Baltimore. They had a turnover late, a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumble. 
They had four inter, uh, four turnovers in the game against the Los Angeles Chargers. They lost that game late. So turnovers, teams catching up to the defense or the offense has also been an issue. So I would say that's probably at the top of the list. Yeah, and Carrington, I mean, listen, you know in the NFL, especially with the Chiefs and and, and, and Patrick Mahomes, uh, he gets all the credit when they succeed most of the time. Of course, Andy Reid gets a little bit too, the rest of that roster. Uh, and then, of course, when things don't go that way, it's all about these questions about Patrick Mahomes. What's wrong with Patrick Mahomes? As someone who watches him day in, day out, as someone who interviews them, because you do weekly on your show as well, uh, what are you seeing with him that's different? What has been kind of that malaise for him? Has it been uh, the fact that he's just been unable to adapt to defense. I don't buy the people saying that pa- finally people have figured out Patrick Mahomes. Look, Patrick Mahomes, to your point, one of the top quarterbacks in the league, he has a talent. The talent just didn't go away. So what is it with him, in your view, that has been holding him back a little bit so far? I know we say that about quarterbacks. They get too much of the praise and too much of the blame. If anybody gives you half a billion dollars the way that Patrick Mahomes <laughs> got, you can get uh, most of the blame when things go wrong. Uh, Point I made. Think it's a couple, I think it's a couple of different things. This team hasn't really run the ball super effectively this season, and I think what's happened is teams have figured out how to make Kansas City go 10 to 15 play drives where you remember Kansas City was putting together five, six, seven play drives going 85 yards in three minutes scoring a touchdown. And that's just not happening right now. It's been sort of death by a thousand paper cuts, and it's hard in the NFL to go 14 plays, 90 yards, eight-minute drives consistently in the NFL. So I think that's been the biggest thing, if anything. It's also really tested his patience. So to give you an example, Tyreek Hill against the New York Giants had 15 targets. He had less than 100 yards. If I told you that at the beginning of the season, you call me crazy. <laughs> but teams just are taking away the over-the-top. They're taking away the big play. And they're forcing Kansas City to go five, six, seven yards at a time. And they just haven't been disciplined enough to consistently do it. Yeah, interesting. Again, we're talking to Carrington Harrison, 610 Sports, Kansas City, about the Chiefs, the big opponent for the Raiders coming up on Sunday night football. And you talk about the defense, Carrington, and, and that's gotten a lot of attention. Uh, just a terrible start for this defense in the Chiefs. Uh, the pass rush hasn't been good through nine games, just 12 sacks. They make the big trade with Pittsburgh to go get Melvin Ingram. Frank Clark is playing better. Do you think that this defense has kind of finally turned that corner and are getting to the point where they're going to be much more of a net help than a net uh, negative? for this team? I think this is one of those. It depends on if you want to look at the glasses half full or glass <laughs> half empty. They have played better the last two weeks. They also went up against Daniel Jones and Jordan Love in those two games. Two bottom eight quarterbacks in the NFL and Jordan Love making his first career start on the road at Arrowhead. But there is no question. Their defensive line is playing significantly better than it was the early part of the season. Frank Clark appears to be healthier. He has the burst. They moved Chris Jones from the end to the tackle. He looks better. The addition of Melvin Ingram, who Ingram joined the team on Wednesday and then played 50% of the snaps on Sunday and provided pretty good pressure. So they went from pass rush being one of the bigger flaws on this team to right now it appears to be one of the strengths of this team. Now, we'll see if you can keep it going against a far more equipped opponent in the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday, but that's really been the difference. They didn't get good pressure in their losses. When they've played well, they've got pressure on the other team's quarterback. 
No doubt about it. Uh, let's. I want to focus on three guys right now, and that is I've been so impressed with the Chiefs draft class from 2021. You look at center Creed Humphrey. I mean, people are talking about this guy maybe being an all-pro as a rookie, Trey Smith. And then on the defensive side, Nick Bolton. Uh, how good do the Chiefs feel about those guys, especially getting two offensive linemen with the other additions they got, obviously, in free agent uh, free agents up front? Um, that offensive line has, has, has played really really well of course they had the one game against the titans that didn't go so well but other than that they've been incredibly solid i know this is what happens when you know you draft well i know that's not something that you can really relate to and that's something that you guys don't do very well in las vegas (laughs) we just we're just talking about that in the first second the 2020 draft class is all gone basically (laughs) yeah no you guys don't have any draft picks but no you're right creed humphrey would win Offensive Rookie of the Year if he played a different position, but he <laughs> plays center. So uh, Jamar Chase of the Cincinnati Bengals is going to win it. Nick Bolton has really come on late. So they had a key injury to Anthony Hitchens. And mm-hmm. once they were sort of forced to play Nick Bolton's four, he's really made the most out of that opportunity. Trey Smith, you're talking about a guy who was a top five recruit coming out of high school, went to Tennessee, had some physical concerns, had blood clots. So he was a sixth-round draft pick. I mean, he's been a day one starter for this team. I mean, back day one, like not day one, like start of the season day one. I mean, start of like training camp day one. He has just been the right guard for the team, and he's played pretty well. So they're sort of creating that new foundation for Kansas City. And I think we all know if you're going to pay your quarterback what Kansas City has paid theirs, you got to hit on draft picks. you got to hit on cost-controlled young players. And so far, so good when it comes to this year's rookie class. Yeah, that offensive line, again, impressed me. And that's the one thing you mentioned just a little while ago, how the Chiefs haven't been consistently running the ball. But when they run the ball, they run the ball well. What does Andy Reid say of why they go away from it when it's working and you have that offensive line that is moving the ball and creating the holes they need to do so? It's kind of weird because I think that's been that's been the perception, but I don't really know if the numbers have backed that up. So this week, kind of one of the themes on the show has been so Clyde Edwards-Alaire has missed the last four games with an injury. Over those four games, Chiefs running backs had 75 carries. They averaged less than four yards a carry. Now, mm. there's different scenarios, different down and distance, but I mean, 75 carries is no small sample size, and they had less than four yards a carry. So they just haven't run the ball super effective, and I think that's really put a burden on the offense. Right now, I think what teams are doing is kind of like what we see in the NBA. You'll let LeBron get his, you'll let Anthony Davis get his, but you're not going to let anybody else score. And I think what it is, all right, we're going to take away the -the over-the-top stuff for Tyreek Hill. We're going to make him catch everything in front of him. We're going to get way more physical with Kelsey than we ever did before and just kind of beat him up. And then we're going to dare any other offensive player to do anything. And we're going to bet that they can't do anything. We're going to bet that McCole Hardman can't beat us. We're going to bet that Byron Pringle or Demarcus Robinson or Darrell Williams or Derek Gore we're just going to bet that none of these guys can beat them. And I talked about this today on my show is I don't know how much we can sort of glean from the Chiefs pre-Super Bowl to now post-Super Bowl, mm. where it feels like the league figures something out in the Super Bowl and they had seven months to go back and watch the film. All right, what did Tampa Bay do so well to slow down this offense? What can we take from that to our defense and do it and – I mean, it's basically been kind of six weeks of the same thing. I mean, Mahomes even came out and said in the game against the Titans, they gave us the same looks we saw against Buffalo. We just couldn't beat them. 
So, I mean, that's going to be something that Kansas City has to prove they can do between now and the end of the season. There is a blueprint. There is a model that teams believe you can use to beat Kansas City. At some point, you got to solve it if you want to get back into the Super Bowl contending conversation. Yeah, and Carrington, you talked about the Chiefs' offense not being able to go over the top like they used or they have been able to do in 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 the in the games they played so far this year. The Raiders, Gus Bradley, that cover three deep, they have not faced a cover three uh, defense like Bradley runs. Of course, they're familiar with it from from him being with the Chargers. Uh, but what do you think about that and the fact that Mahomes is going to have that? The, the Raiders don't blitz. I mean, they blitz, blitz less than fifteen percent of the time, yet they're getting pressure from the up front. They're getting Yannick Ngakwe. They're getting Max Crosby, of course, who's who's right up there at top three in the league with the pass rush. Uh, what are the Chiefs going to do? What do you think uh, the adjustments will be for that team down in Allegiant Stadium tonight facing that defense of the Raiders? I mean, that's really been the key against Kansas City, to be completely honest with you, mm-hmm. where if you can get pressure with your front four, then you got a chance to really slow down Kansas City. I saw a stat, this was two weeks ago, the next-gen NFL numbers, where Mahomes is the least blitz quarterback in the NFL at 10.7%. But what we're seeing is teams feel like, all right, our plan is let's send three, let's send four, let's constantly drop back seven or eight. And eventually we're going to gamble that Mahomes is not going to take the underneath stuff, that he's going to try to make a play down the field. And eventually we got to pounce where whenever he kind of throws up one of those 50-50 balls, we got to be willing to strike on that. So if the Raiders win this game, I think the formula has been pretty simple, how you beat Kansas City. Yep. You force them to turn the ball over, which they have done more than any team in the NFL so far this season, and you got to get pressure with your front four. If you don't do that, it's just really difficult to beat Kansas City because if you have five or six guys playing defense back there, Mahomes is going to figure out a way to beat you. He hasn't consistently figured out how to beat seven or eight dropping in the cup. Interesting stuff. Now, Carrington, big game, obviously, always the Chiefs and the Raiders. The teams don't like each other. It goes way back before you and I were born. Uh, but at the same time, uh, these two teams are, all, I think, both of them at a juncture, right? The Chiefs coming off the challenges they've had. The Raiders coming off all sorts of weird challenges with losing front office, losing players and the tragedy around Henry Ruggs. Uh, and it seems to me like this is a collision course from the fact that whoever wins this game, not to say that even if a team loses, they wouldn't have a chance to make the playoffs. But to me, the course of the two seasons for the two teams uh, are going to be on focus uh, Sunday night. You think this is that big of a game that it's a big win for either one of them, no matter what happens? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, right now you look at this division and you have two teams at five and three and two teams at five and four, that basically all four of these teams are on equal footing. Like Mm -hmm. I've been calling it, I've been calling it the race to 11. I think 11 and 6 is going to be enough to win this division. And obviously, if you get to 12 or 13, I think you pretty clearly win this division. But I think 11 is going to be enough to do it. So who's going to go 5 and 3 down the stretch? Who's going to go 6 and 2 down the stretch to go win this division? And I'm actually going to look this up for for my radio show. I'd be really curious to see, especially in Kansas City's point of view, if you start off 0-2 in your division, I'm guessing you don't win your division very often. Just, you know, those games are so important. You need those tiebreakers in order to win your division. So on both sides, if you're Las Vegas and you got a home game on Sunday night against Kansas City, that's one that you got to capitalize on. Yep. That is a 50-50, 55-45 on either side kind of game. you got to figure out a way to protect home field. And if you're Kansas City, 
if you can steal this game, you get to six wins, you then go back home to play Dallas. Who knows what version of the Cowboys you're going to get. I know that the first half of the season hasn't gone ideal for Kansas City. You can get yourself out of this really quickly if you can catch a little bit momentum. And you've got to look at the Chiefs' schedule. They don't have any more gimme wins. The easiest game on their schedule the rest of the way is home against the Broncos. Right. And, and we just saw what the Broncos did last week. So Kansas City dropped a lot of those really important tiebreaker games in the first half of the season. they got to get a lot of them back in the second half of the season. Great point. Always great analysis and insight to the Kansas City Chiefs from Carrington Harrison. You can hear him on 610 Sports in Kansas City. Carrington, we'll talk to you later in the season, my man. I appreciate it, Scott. Thanks for having me. Man. All right. You take care, buddy. Well, there you go. Carrington Harrison, always always great to talk to and great insight. And, yeah, he took a little bit of a dig at you, Raider fans, <laughs> with the draft pick stuff. But he's right. We talked about it earlier in the show with Mo, um, the 2020 draft. And to hear that, and of course, there's a little bit of the rivalry stuff going on there. But um, – this game against the Chiefs, I mean, we talked about it, right? The fact that these two teams at 5-3 and three of the Raiders, 5-4 and four for the Chiefs, and the tiebreaker aspect of this, and the division, you know, you, 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 Mike Mayock and John Gruden back when he was with the Raiders, they talked about the fact that they had to build this team to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They go to Kansas City last year. You remember that great game. They, they beat the Chiefs at home in Kansas City, in Arrowhead, a place Derek Carr hadn't won, uh, and they go and do it. Then they come to Las Vegas in the empty Allegiant Stadium because of COVID-19, and they lose a game they should have won because they weren't efficient in the red zone. Does that sound familiar, by the way? They're still not efficient in the red zone. But nonetheless, this Raiders team, I believe, despite the divot they took in New York this past Sunday, is better than they were last year. I mean, they're better on defense. They're better on offense. Deshaun Jackson coming in to replace Henry Ruggs uh, is a big deal. And I don't know, again, I don't know how much they'll use him, right? Because you're learning the playbook and all that. But I think Deshaun Jackson being a veteran at his age, the speed that he has that Mo mentioned earlier, I think that this is going to be a traditional AFC West game. I think you're going to see the Chiefs and the Raiders both Put up points. Now, the Raiders' defense is better. There's no question. And to Carrington's point, if they can put pressure on Mahomes with four, as the Raiders have been successful doing all season long, by the way, then you're going to have a better opportunity. If you start to blitz, which Gus Bradley doesn't do in his cover three scheme as much, only 15% of the time, then I think you run the risk of Patrick Mahomes being the Patrick Mahomes people talk about. The guy who's going to go downfield the guy who's going to exploit a hole in the defense. But if he doesn't do that, and the Raiders are successful inside, and if they're successful outside on the edge with Max Crosby, with Yannick Ngakwe, then they're going to use the same formula that all of these teams this year have used to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Will they do it? I do. I, do, I believe so. Um, that's my prediction. My prediction, not just because this is a Raiders show, because you've heard me pick against the Raiders, right? But I believe the Raiders will beat the Chiefs Sunday night in Las Vegas. To me, they have to. And the reason I say have to is because, again, the divisional matchup, but also for what this team has been through. They've been resilient, yes, they laid an egg in New York. Yes, Derek Carr looked like crap. He's on a pace to at least get close to Peyton Manning's 
season passing record for yards. Yes, you heard that right. I said it earlier. I'm saying it again. No, I did not misspeak. So this Raiders offense, Deshaun Jackson, I think will play a part in this game. I also think you're going to see Darren Waller come back out. Yes, they're going to team him. They're going to double team him. They're going to do everything they can to shut Darren Waller. So put Foster Moreau in the game. Let me see two tight end sets. Let me see Kenyon Drake. Yes, I told you so. Go back to August 27th. I told you so about Kenyon Drake. He's going to come out. They're going to have to pass him. They're going to have to utilize all the tools. I think Derek Carr gets back to where he was earlier in the season and that this team comes out against the Chiefs in this massive game Sunday night in Vegas. They come out and they beat the Chiefs. That does not mean the Chiefs go away, by the way. They'll, they'll have lots of problems winning the division. And in fact, if, I think if the, the Raiders beat the Chiefs, I don't think the Chiefs have a chance to win the division even though they'll get the return game later on. So so if you look at that and you look what's going on with the Raiders and what they've been through, there's so much drama in this game, so you're not going to want to miss it on Sunday night. I know you won't anyway because you bleed silver and black, <laughs> right? You're listening to this show on Friday night when you should be out with your significant other. Instead, you're listening to me talk about the Raiders. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, it's going to be a great game, and I certainly appreciate it. Uh, my co-host Mo Moten, who you heard in the in the first segment, uh, talked to me, talked to you about the Raiders. But anyway, we appreciate you being with us as always here on Silver and Black tonight as we come to the end of the show. Again, we are Southern California's only all Raiders talk show. Make sure you check us out at silverandblacktonight.com. You can also check out our sister website, VegasSportsToday.com. We cover the Raiders there. We cover the Golden Knights. You name it. If you're coming out to Vegas, let us know. Tweet at us at SNB Tonight at SNB tonight. Uh, let us know you're on your way out to Vegas. You're stuck in Barstow on I-15 somewhere, wherever you are, Victorville, uh, or uh, maybe you've crossed the state line and you are in Prim. It doesn't matter. Enjoy the game this weekend. Uh, also, follow me on Twitter, at LV Gully. Happy to talk to you about anything football-related, but you talk uh, to me and I will talk back to you. Thank you to our guest, Carrington Harrison from 610 Sports in Kansas City and my co-host, Mo Moten. Uh, and we will talk to you next week. That's right. Same bat channel, same bat time. It is silver and black tonight, only on the source for local sports talk in Southern California. That, of course, is the mightier 1090. Raider Nation, have a great weekend. Enjoy Sunday night's game. Tell the boss when you come in on Monday morning it was a late night because you were watching your Raiders win the game. For everyone here, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight, every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 AM. SoCal Sports Talk.